Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera. This is another part of the money series that we're doing with Brandon Anderson. And this episode is the 10 best contracts in the NBA. Let me hear. How you doing, Brandon? Let me know how you're feeling today. I'm doing well. I am uh, reporting to you from my bat cave in North Dakota. I have uh, taken some time to get away from the usual grind of things. Good to be home with my family here. Uh, I I can't stay too long in, in uh, this particular setting from a recording standpoint because I'm in like effectively a, a basement like like <laughs> you, you people can't at home can't see right now but uh, it's for the best because it's like there's there's no visual there's no lighting the sound I apologize is probably not quite the usual pristine that we're offering so I know like normally uh w- with Action Network when I record too many podcasts in this spot the you know our, our producer there Matt Mitchell requires me to like hold up a newspaper of like proof of life at some point. That's the sort of <laughs> setting that it looks like where I'm at. But you know, far North Dakota, home with the family. Good, good to see my parents and my sister, and and uh, outside of an occasional podcast or something, get a little mental break, and you know, board games and uh, puzzles and some TV shows, and just a little bit of you know July time off the grid, watch some yeah. World Cup and settle in. Not bad, dude. I like, I always am just surprised that we haven't turned the Dakotas into one state. Um, but you know, like just, you know, consolidate, <laughs> consolidate the Dakotas. You know, but, there, there, there was a lot of talk about doing that. You know, the, we, I remember growing up, that was like a huge thing because like, if you're in North Dakota, you don't get like, you're the butt of all the jokes. So you really can only like make jokes about South Dakota and Canada. That's it. Like, those Run. are the only things that you can possibly like try to be better than as North Dakota. So yeah, there, there's, there's been a lot of those jokes and I don't know. I mean, Hey man, North Dakota, South Dakota, we got four centers between us. So enjoy your two out in New York. I feel like that's definitely a fair trade. You're we're, absolute, we're never giving that up. <laughs> you're absolutely thriving there. Um, so what I'm excited about though, for this episode is we're going to talk about a lot of the NBA contracts. If you guys haven't listened to it yet, listen to our worst NBA contracts episode that released last week. Um, so we're just dropping these one week at a time. Like I've said before, you can go back. They're kind of timeless, um, you know, evergreen, if you will. And we're releasing them because I'm away right now on my honeymoon and Brandon's been helping out and we're doing some really cool content and some of the nuance of the money that's going on in the league and how that impacts a lot of decisions and how that's going to make or break some of these teams. So Brandon, we kind of compiled this list and I say we very loosely, um, but uh, look, I know that there were a lot of things that went into the criteria for what contracts we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Do you want to give us a little bit of an overview for which ones we are going to be talking about and which ones we definitely aren't going to be talking about? Yeah, so let's start with the aren't because that's important with the, the best contracts list. If we just say, okay, who are the best contracts out of the entire NBA? it's not going to be that interesting because every name on the list is going to be either a rookie deal or a max deal because, you know, the NBA, it's, it's not a free market, right? There are rules on what contract you can sign, how much can you sign? If you're a first round pick, you basically just get assigned literally a salary slot. Like yeah. you're the number three pick, you make X dollars this year. And then a little more next year, all the way up through year four. Uh, a Your number. Year. Yeah. Yeah, you're, exactly. So if you are, you know, if, if Victor Wemanyama is actually the next LeBron James and is actually that good immediately, obviously he has one of the best contracts in the league and should be on the list because now he's making like $10 million. And if he's that good, he's a $50 million player and you got him for four years. Plus, frankly, because of the way rookie deals work, probably you're going to have him in all likelihood on a max extension after that, which again is again, not all the same. That rookie max extension is capped. It can only be a certain percentage of the team cap. And that max, even though it's called a max, not everyone's maximum contract is the same. LeBron James, his max is higher because he's a he's a veteran. He's been in the league longer. Just say all the it, say it, um, say it. He's the GOAT. <laughs> I, uh, sorry, I cut out there for a second. I, I didn't hear you there. So, uh, yeah, on the other end of things, the guys at the top end of the spectrum, the max players, 
are also the best value contract. Nikola Jokic can only make the same max that, I mean, he can't even make the same max that I think Jalen Brown's max is, is higher if he yeah, takes that is. offer. And we talked about Jalen Brown on, on the worst contracts episode, spoiler alert, but go back and listen to that one. Um, like Nikola Jokic, I don't know the answer to it, but he's worth so much more than 30 or 40 or 45% of the cap. Like we literally saw a year ago, not the title team, but last year when Jokic basically had him and a bunch of guys he found at the Y and he still won MVP and they still made the playoffs. And like, they weren't any good there because one, one guy doesn't beat playoff teams. That's not how basketball goes, but how many other people in the history of basketball could get like Faku Composo and a bunch of other like Madden, like like made up uh, 2K characters and just be like, ah, oh, it's cool. We're going to win 50 and go to the playoffs anyways. We're not even in the plan. Like, we're fine. We're fine. Because we have Jokic. Like, yeah. he's, he's, he's probably worth like 75% of the cap, but he can't get paid that because the rules don't let him. So again, Nikola Jokic, not in our episode today. LeBron James, not in the episode. Wembenyana, not in the episode. These are non-max, non-rookie contracts. That also includes guys like Tyrese Halliburton, some of the guys we talked about that just got their rookie yeah. extension, because that's a max extension now as well. So even like players like Jason Tatum or Donovan Mitchell, if you look up their details, you see something like, oh, they're two more years each, about 30 million. You're like, oh, wow, well, that's a great deal. Great, great, uh, you know, should yep. be on the list. But those are their rookie max extensions still. It's crazy. So yeah. Still not eligible here. It's, it's really wild how long players, if they yeah. if they take all the money that the teams that they're drafted by actually give them, which like they should realistically, like that's the point of the way the CBA is structured, that you don't like you don't get freedom for like a long time. <laughs> like you really don't. So right. that's why it, it's fascinating. Like most of these guys, like they don't, they don't wind up changing teams or then they start demanding a trade. Like you're right. seven because they're just like over it. Um, and you know, at that point it's like, it, I get it because it's like, if your team couldn't build around you on that type of deal, it's never going to happen. Like, cause you're right. it's just never going to happen. So well, I think as as we're recording this this week too, and you'll listen to this a little bit later, but the big conversation, at least on my Twitter timeline this week, is all about running backs and running yes. back salary. And, and that's the same thing, but even more, because at least these NBA guys like Wembenyama, if he's good and stays healthy for four years and then the five-year max rookie extension, and then finally after nine years, he can basically be a, a you know, a, a totally free agent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. free agent, go do his thing, go, go play where he wants, whatever. That's when these guys move nine years, running backs don't make it nine years, like running, running back nine years is well more than almost any of their careers. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of conversation these days about that yeah, NBA player control. At least these guys are, are getting paid pretty well, but some of the guys we'll talk about here, are technically, I guess, breaking my rule, I just realized they technically were max extensions that just happened this summer. They're kind of just fake maxes, though, again, based yeah. on the NBA rules. So so we'll get to those. What is on the list then? Just kind of a quick rundown. There's 30 NBA teams. It's summer, so roster spots are loose. Basically, I'm counting around 500 players in the NBA under contract-ish. About 110 are draft picks over the last four years, so they're all out. I would guess, I didn't count, something like 50-ish max players. So effectively, we're dealing with 350 contracts that would be eligible for the list. Now, a lot of those are short contracts or they're one-year minimums, you know, like all the Suns dues that they just signed. Probably not going to be the best contract because only one year, there's only so much value you can have there. A lot of contracts are bad. The worst contracts list had a lot more candidates than this one. <laughs> what you'll see on this list really is the the guys who are even honorable mentions as we get to them. It's, it's a lot of role players. It's, it's like, steals, hey, you know, yeah. yeah, like this is a this is a, a good rotation dude that we're getting for two or three years for like a dirt cheap contract. And again, as always, players get your money. This is always the things that I do with the contracts is always from a team standpoint. Like you can only have so many, so much dollars, so much cap. So these are what's most valuable to the team. And as we get further up the list, basically you're getting to, okay, who are the guys that should be max players, but are not on that max contract. And 
how are how are those contracts then valuable to a team? Do they make you a title contender? Do they like what what's the value of that to us as betters then too? So that's kind yeah. of the context of what we're looking at here. And we're only on a top 10. We did a top 15 worst contract. So that should give you a hint on there just aren't that many options for this list, Joe. Yeah, it's it's much, much more narrow. So who are our honorable mentions that to just kind of kick it off and then we'll get into our ten, top 10 countdown here? Yeah, so a couple, uh, five honorable mentions here, just quickly. Two of them I thought were pretty similar. Jose Alvarado is on a two-year, under $4 million deal. I don't know what Jose Alvarado is worth. I don't think he's really a starter right now, but he's a really quality player. I think he's so an all-defense. <laughs> yeah, like he's an all-defense sort of candidate. Uh, Alex Caruso is the other one on the list. He's on two years, $19 awesome. million. I'd say yeah. Alvarado is worth at least that, but I've got Caruso worth more than that as well. Uh, I think both these guys are probably worth maybe 15 to $25 million more than, than what they're getting paid. They're probably not starters or they're like 25 minute starters, basically the same thing at that point. Yeah. They're good players. They're going to help your team win. They're going to help your team play good defense. A couple of big men that are kind of that version, a Wendell Carter Jr., three years, 36 million. My Chicago Bulls traded him away to to bring in Vooch and give Brutal. him a big extension Brutal. and multiple draft picks. Like Franz Wagner was the pick from that trade. I forget. I think actually the other picks still happen this year. So I think people get a little too excited on Wendell Carter Jr. I, I think he's basically a low end starting center. Like he's uh, he's not special. He it's not like the Bulls Fine. are gonna look back in yeah. twenty five years and be like, oh my gosh, we traded away Wendell Carter Jr. Like he's good. He's fine. He's a good part of a, a of a positive team. I think he is like a poor man's Al Horford type player. He's his contract declines. So not only is it valuable now, thirteen million dollars this year, but third year it's down to under eleven million. And yeah. again, as that goes down, the cap is going up, 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 as we talked about. So a, a better version of him, I think, is Grant Williams. He's now on four years, three million. Yeah, so Grant Williams is one of those guys I alluded to a bit ago. He's technically is on a max deal. It's the most that he was able to get from if if the Boston Celtics had kept him, but he's not. He is in, well, Boston did sign him, I guess. It was a sign and trade. Fine. That's yeah. why he's at this yeah. number. So love that for Dallas. I think he's going to be a great fit. Basically, to me, Dallas has Grant Williams and Maxi Claver are effectively a, a max slot player because you get both those guys doing the things you need on that team at power forward, basically yeah. soaking up all the minutes there, but not at a max salary, even together. So that's those two. And then I, I went for the deep cut here. This was my number 10 pick actually on the list, but I I'll be honest. I've seen like two minutes of footage of this player, Sasha <laughs> Vezinkov. He's good. The new guy coming out to the Kings. I know you tweeted about him. So I want to know, what do you know about this dude? He's, I mean, he's got like a ton of accolades, right? So he was pretty successful in, in Europe. Um, he was just the all Europe player of the year in 2023 EuroLeague MVP 2023. Uh, like he's been, he's a winner. He's first team couple yep. back the past couple of years. He's an elite scorer. He's a pretty good slasher. I think he really is going to fit in very well for the Kings because he can do a little bit of everything. And I think one of the things that we noticed too, is like these guys, especially these guys coming from like these European teams, they play very well. Like they play very good team basketball, which I think yeah. is important, um, especially for the Kings. Like he's somebody that I think despite having all of those accolades, he's not coming into Sacramento saying like, I'm going to be the dude. Like he knows how to play with other guys. And I think that that's super, super important. So I think that he'll slot in there. He can shoot, he can score, he can, he can cut. He's like, he's a good basketball mind. Right. And um, I think that that's something that he's going to bring to this Sacramento team that they probably couldn't, they, well, they couldn't have got any other way because they got him when they like traded some rights things and stuff, such and such and yeah. such. But it's, I think it's a good trade or it's a good signing or, you know, good acquisition for them uh, for lack of a better word. And I think that he'll be able to, you know, do some of the things that are like 
like a glue guy type of thing. Um, but from an offensive perspective, don't like count on him to play great <laughs> <No>. <laughs> defense, but like, it's like the things that Caruso Alvarado do defensively. I think mm-hmm. that he can bring that like offensively for this Kings team, which I think is important because we did see sometimes where like Keegan Murray struggled, Harrison Barnes had an issue. Like he's a guy that now you have like another option there that can do a little bit of everything, get a bucket, be successful with the bench unit. Um, I'm pretty excited to watch him play. Yeah, I think you sum up really well. I, he's the sort of player that on a lot of other teams, honestly, on most other teams, I probably wouldn't be that excited. I just think he is a perfect fit on this Sacramento Kings roster. Like yep. he, They needed that stretch for. We saw that Harrison Barnes just wasn't the dude for that in the playoff run. And look, I don't think Sasha Vezinkov looks like a 16-game player, but I don't mm-hmm. think the Kings need 16-game players right now. Like This is not a team that is genuinely going to win a title right now. I, I think that he can be a good player for a series or two. And I think that's uh, frankly, what about the Kings are his defense looks pretty bad. I don't think it's going to work at NBA level. It's, brutal. He, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not great, but the Kings defense is not great either. Like that basically this is the Kings doubling down on the strengths that they had and the weaknesses that they had. And I, I kind of like that. Like they were, it's not easy to find this like all NBA defensive caliber dude out there they're saying hey come in Vezinkov looks like a nice movement shooter good shooter, good shooter. And, yeah like a really knockdown shooters improved a lot over the years getting a guy that I think you could do some like DHOs and that with Sabonis is really important in Sacramento I also wonder I think that he's seen as a four but I wonder in the current NBA could he maybe end up playing backup Sabonis minutes like he yeah. he seems like a poor man Sabonis in his ability to handle and create a little bit with the ball and mm-hmm. then have the shot that Sabonis didn't have that got exposed a little bit in the playoffs. Like again, gonna get crushed defensively as a center. It's not gonna go well. No. But just as you know, in the right matchup or for the right spell, I could see that. So he's on a three-year $20 million deal. He's 28. You're getting right in his prime. He's ready to go. Maybe he's not any good. The the cost of that is very low, if that's the case. Like six, seven million dollars a year in the current cap era, not much. He no. he he has to be like the tenth man to be valuable, at least to do that. So I think the upside is actually pretty large for him. I don't know if he's really a starter, but he's thirty eight percent three point shooter last yeah. year. So like that's I think that's significant in and of itself, right? Like obviously yeah. it's a different three point line, but it still shows you that he's a shooter. Like he can spot up, he can, you know, he makes his free throws. Like th- those are all valuable things. I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm going to jump into the list. 10 and nine be, uh, are effectively really, this could have been a top eight, like 10 and nine, <laughs> I think can belong in this, in the same group that we talked about. They're just the two that I like best out of the group. And they're pretty similar guys, similar, really, we talked about uh, other than Vezinkov. We had a couple of defensive guards. We had a couple of centers. These are the two guys that are kind of putting together. These are the wings. And I always am going to think wings are the more valuable archetype if you're only going to pick one of the positions. So at number 10, I have Herb Jones, four years, $54 million. Similar to Grant Williams, he basically got that same sort of deal. Guys coming off of their their rookie deal, getting the extension, the max that New Orleans could offer him. He's 24. He'll be 25, really, for most of the season. He's clearly not on herb, like amazing defensive talent. He's also a guy that's probably not a 16-game player. But, again, we don't know if the Pelicans are playing for the finals this year. We, I think, are going to see in time that, like, he reminds me of a Jay Crowder or a... Um, and I, I'm going to say the positive version of this, a Dylan Brooks. Like, I think that he's the guy that is a floor raiser for a team that is probably not going to be on a championship team. Like, I don't think a championship team is starting Herb Jones because of his lack of a shot and offensive ability. Like there's going to be some, he's going to get the Tony Allen treatment. Remember like when, when Tony Allen just got like totally left open on the perimeter in a series against a top, top team, He's going to get there, but that's, that's okay. If you made yeah. it there, you're in like mid-May and Herb Jones was a big part of the reason that you got that far. So I love him. Kenrick Williams is my other guy here. A guy that really a lot of people, I don't think know too much about him. So this is, this is my, my niche pick probably four years, $27 million team option on the end. He, 
it's that he's already been like that's not new. He's already had a year old off of that. He's 28, so by the end of this contract, he probably won't be super useful anymore. But right now, he's well. We'll start here. He plays yeah. for Oklahoma City Thunder because he may not be a player a lot of us have watched before. He's got interesting hair. We'll say that when you watch that's, him. Oh yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> he just he's a glue guy. He is he's to me maybe like a poor man's Shane Battier. He's just a guy that does a little bit of everything. He makes the winning plays. He defends well. He's an especially good team defender. He always seems to be in the right spot. And all of those like plus minuses and on-offs and advanced metrics, all the advanced stuff, they all say, hey, this guy's pretty good. And every time that he's out there, our team seems to be better. Don't look at the box score. Don't look for points and assists and rebounds and all the usual things. I don't know, different player, but a, a, a knockoff, very light version of Draymond Green of just like, guy that very knockoff yeah not at all the same just like the 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 he's a winner stereotype so to me those two they're they round out the bottom of the list here but i think they're because they're wings and because wings are so valuable and add versatility to your team they made my last two spots here above some of those other guys but kind of all in the similar tier yeah i think that the next tier is fascinating right because these guys are all like all together like it it, and it kind of makes sense though like when you look at the ownership group uh and like when you look at the people making decisions all very shrewd and it kind of is why this team has been so successful and continues to be so successful you know for the past number of years now is it like been five years they've been good so um they keep making decisions like this who do we have next on our list here? Because we're looking at one team in particular that's been a pretty for, <laughs> pretty big force in the East. We do. So this is the Celtics tier, effectively. There will be one more name we'll add to this tier at the end, but eight, seven, and six are all Boston Celtics. And th- this is the only team that has, I think this is the only team I only even have two guys one. in the top yeah. 10, let alone. And Grant Williams three. was too. So it's like. Right. Yeah. Right. You know. So number eight, Derek White, two years, 38 million. We saw just how good he was in the playoffs. That dude is 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 not just a clearly a starting point guard, but I think like a, a top 10 guard, not the usual version, not the engine of an offense, but the defense that he adds and all those things. Number seven. And this surprised me. I kind of forgot about it. It happened last summer. Old man Al Horford signed an extension yeah. where it's like, how are they going to keep all these guys around? He's on now this new extension that just kicks in two years, 20 million. That's it for Al Horford. Jeez. Two years for 20 million is unbelievable. Like I have him and just a reminder of how I'm doing these. I basically am saying, how much should you be worth based on how good of a player you are? What value should you have? I have him at two years, 50 million. And that's only because He's 37 and you can start to see some of the aging come in, but we know how valuable he is. Like I think this year's run in the playoffs, he wasn't quite as good last year's run. I thought honestly that he was the second most important Celtics player behind Jason Tatum. So Horford can be really, really good, versatile 16 gamer guy. And then number six, Robert Williams, still three years, $37 million. And Yes, I'm factoring in Horford's age and Time Lord's injuries. Even with injury concerns, even if you're only getting 50, 60 games, that's what I'm factoring in here to make him still worth like $30 million, like $10 million a year extra value. Three years, so you get an extra year out of him compared to Horford and Derek White. And yeah, Boston has, I mentioned Jason Tatum earlier. He would be on the list, but it's a max deal. You mentioned Grant Williams. We got White. We got Horford. We got Robert Williams. Marcus Smart would have been a candidate to be on this list over yeah. the years. Jalen Brown. You know, I guess that's I, mean, I think that real- honestly, it's, though, it's it, <laughs> the good contracts, though, let you make that decision exactly. around where you can say, like, all right, like this contract kind of sucks, but like we don't really want to blow it up right now. Like we think that this team is good. We think they're young, they're talented mm-hmm. still. We want to keep everybody together for their prime. You can kind of make that decision where I'm sure Boston, like they're smart enough. They know what they know what's going on here. They know it's not like a great deal for them to sign Jalen Brown, but at the same time, you're looking at the squad and you're like, look, we were in the conference finals. Like we're going to the finals. Like we're going back. Like they're in the conference finals, like every other year. So it's like, 
you can make that decision and be like, look, like we're just going to run it back until somebody shows us that like, we aren't good, like beat us in the first round, knock us out early. Then maybe we'll talk about like restructuring or trying to move people around. So, but the good contracts let you do that. And I think also when you're on a good team, the good teams generally can get some of these guys to buy in for like different reasons at different stages in their career too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, I I made a tweet about this as I was going through this a week or two ago. So I guess about a month ago, by the time y'all listen to this, but I tweeted that the Celtics, this Celtics core has effectively a two-year window left before a pretty big change. And as you can imagine, Boston fans love that idea. So these contracts are the reason for that though. Derek White, two more years on a, on a cheap deal. He's going to get a lot more money after that. Al Horford, two more years. He's just not going to be a useful player again after that. Right. Like it's, that's the age Robert Williams. We don't know. We'll see how the injury holds up. I hope that he gets healthier, but you know, it it doesn't bode well. Jason Tatum, not on the list. He's not eligible two years, like 62 million or something. And he's going to get paid two years, two years. Like here's what's going to happen. Here's why I said the thing about the two year window, assuming Boston, signs Jalen Brown for the Supermax, or I think seeing this list and all these Celtics gives me a little hope just from, again, a team standpoint, maybe Boston doesn't sign the whole Supermax. Maybe they find a way to save money a little bit somewhere. We have to give them credit for being like the best team on the list at getting all these guys here. Either way, two years after two more seasons, Jason Tatum will be on his max. Jalen Brown will be on something close to a max. And the two of those guys will take a ton of money and like there's not going to be room anymore to bring back Robert Williams and Derek White and these other guys. And I know Boston fans will say, well, it's fine. We'll just trade them. Then we'll get the next Derek White, the next, next Marcus Smart. Maybe you will. Like, oh, I can't say you can't yeah. because it's, you've been doing that. But effectively, the way that the cap is working against them is it's put a clock on this window where I think two years from now, Boston has to choose and maybe they'll make a choice before that. But two years from now, either you get both J's Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but no more all-star supporting cast, no more Derek white, Rob Williams, because you're going to suddenly have the Phoenix roster where you're paying so much for just those two guys. There's not even an 18 million slot for Derek white anymore. That slot is a $5 million slot now. And that's a huge drop off. So either you get that or by Jalen Brown, bring in a couple of other pieces, smaller, not totally equal to him. And now you get Jason Tatum and the really good supporting cast. Jason Tatum with their version of White, Horford, Williams, whoever it is at the time. You can have that team. Two years from now, you can't have this team. You can't have Brown and Tatum at their future price and all the other guys on this list, even at a bargain deal. So boss, that doesn't mean it's over. And Boston fans would say, but doesn't matter. As long as we have Jason Tatum, we're a title contender. Eh, I beg to differ, but that's a different podcast. Yeah, uh, different different conversation there. <laughs> yeah, uh, because we had three Celtics here historically in the NBA. If you're going to mention the Celtics, you got to mention a Laker. And look, the best <laughs> contract signed this entire offseason, I think without question, yeah. was our guy Austin Reeves at the Lakers. Contract's awesome. Just awesome Incredible contract. contract. He, he, to me, the way that he played post-All-Star break and really the numbers held up into the playoffs, like people finally now are saying, hey, you know what? You know who might be the third best Laker? Austin Reeves. Oh, you think? Like, thanks you're for gonna say the Anthony last Davis. four months of basketball. Like <laughs> he's played, he's shot 44% on threes from all-star break forward, then got to the playoffs where it was harder and shot 44% again on he's more so threes good. from the field. He's He's literally running pick and roll with Anthony Davis while LeBron James is posting up in the corner, just like not doing stuff, which is a little bit about LeBron and the foot and the age and all that. I understand, but like you have two max superstar guys and then undrafted Austin Reeves sophomore running point guard, running pick and roll because he's that good. He's getting to the line like crazy. He's signed really it's four years, 52 million, 53 million. I forget. But like the most they could even give him. It was the max. Yeah, it's, 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 max. Right. It's, it's the most the Lakers could give him. It we, we talked, I think, on a previous one of our podcasts about how like, the Spurs or someone could have offered him closer to like four years, a hundred million, but all the restricted stuff gets in the way. And nobody wanted to do that. Yeah. There is one the negative side here for the Lakers. 
The Lakers love, love to give out the player option. Austin Reeves is a player option here. This dude's not picking up that option. Like he is no. way more valuable than 15 million in year four. So this is a three-year $39 million deal. If he picks up the player option, it's because we got a six-month mirage and he's a bust or because he got hurt or something. Yeah. I, I think that he is playing right now as well as like Pete Gordon Hayward. And I, I hate to make the, the white on white comparison, but just like the things he does as a passer, as a shooter, like Gordon Hayward was like a Gordon was awesome before the awesome. injury, you know, yeah. ruined the career. So three years, 39 million. I, I honestly think I, I have him worth about 20 million this year, and that's being relatively conservative and then going up from there. I think you can make a decent argument. Probably it's a little pushing too far, but I think if you said, no, I'm going to pay him 39 million this year and each year after that, be like, all right, well, he's off the list now. He's he's no longer the most valuable contract. It's a little rich for my blood, but he's a pretty good player. Like, I would listen to the argument. I would probably yeah. push back, but to get that over the life of the contract in three years is a, is a crazy bargain for the Lakers. Because, yeah. like, the four-year $100 million, like, you'd look at that and you're like, that's steep, but at the same time, it's like, if you get that level of production that he just showed, you'd be like, that's fine. Like, okay, like, we kept our guy. Like, we like him. Um, which is, you know, it's not value per se, but at the same time, you know, sometimes there's something about continuity too. So it's great that they were able to keep him on that type of deal. Now, I think like after Reeves though, we're going to start talking about guys that are, um, either like the best player on their team or, you know, in that conversation where it's like, this guy's like a legitimate ceiling raiser or, you know, like this is, this is what he, this guy can do. I know like you're the next tier that we have is a two person tier. One of which I think, uh, like personally, I like better, um, (laughs) than the other guy. Uh, but I'll let you, I'll let you name the names here. Yeah. So, so I think the last four guys uh, that we have on the list here are the four guys that are very, very clearly unequivocally max players, period. Not max players like, well, is Austin Reeves a max player? Well, it's the most they could give him. No, no. These are just max players, all NBA caliber players, star players in the league. I'm going to name the two guys in this tier. I have the guy you like better ranked lower, but I'm just going to name them and then let you lead the debate on this one because it only seems fair. I have number four, your guy, Jalen Brunson. It's a three-year deal, but the third year is a player option. He's too good. He's not picking up that player option. So it's a really, it's a two-year, $51 million deal. He'll be 27 this season. He's one year older than number three, Lowry Markinen. Markinen is a year younger. He's on two-year, $35 million deal. So he's making $17 million this year, $18 million next year. Just made All-NBA. He would have been – I honestly, I expected I'd do my own All-NBAs. I didn't think that he'd be that close on mine. I think I had him fourth-team All-NBA. He just is really good. So yeah. Lowry, to me, I had him higher slightly, slightly. I have these guys together, but he's a year younger. He's $16 million cheaper. But that's splitting hairs. I'm going to give you the floor. Tell me why Jalen Brunson should be higher in the list. I mean, he plays in New York. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, no, but really, I think the thing with Brunson is we saw him play obviously extremely well in the postseason, too. Like, he was just that dude. Like, it's just like, it doesn't matter. And we've seen it now twice in a row because when Luca was out last year, he basically just like crushed. Um, and now, like, we're seeing that again. I, we know he can be the best player on the floor. Like it's like one of, he's one of those guys Like you look at him, he's not a big dude. He's not the fastest, not the strongest, like whatever, but like he's fucking smart and like, he just gets it done. So it's, it's like, it's a little eye testy, but then at the same time, when you actually look at the numbers, like the team is much better with him on the floor than they were without him. And he does a lot of the things like where, like for the Knicks anyway, like where we criticize Randall, but like when Brunson was healthy, Randall was healthy. Like they, had a decent rapport like they were getting things like because he runs the offense then he lets randall like it, he keeps randall from randling to a certain degree which <laughs> is absolutely invaluable here so i think that it improves the value of randall's contract which makes Brunson better because like realistically like you you watch randall play like when he was trying to when he was leading the team in assists two seasons ago it was a disaster, just an absolute unmitigated disaster you insert brunson and then all of a sudden it's like oh this team's like 
good. And then now, you know, it's like, you're looking at the East and, you know, Cleveland, like we want, like we saw what they did last year, obviously with Donovan Mitchell, but with the Knicks, like now you have a full season with Brunson, full off season, you know, they're retaining the, the most in terms of, I think, salary and in terms of players like roster spots year over year from last year to this season. So I do think that we're going to see a lot better outing from Brunson uh, and the Knicks this season, just, you know, with another year under their belt. As for marketing, so part of me with Laurie is that I don't think, I think the jazz like kind of suck. Like, I think it was just like a flash <laughs> in the pan last yeah. year. Right. And like, to a certain degree, I'm like, I wonder like how much of it's empty stats, how much of it like matters. I do think he's good. Like he's definitely better than, you know, we had ever seen from him. Um, and I think part of it had to do with some of the organizations he was with previously in terms of like how they used him, how they developed him. Um, hey, come on now. Sean Spire, that's, that's both of my teams here. You're, you're not him. <laughs> but I think it matters though, right? Like he's yeah. playing on the jazz and like what he did I like his EPM is like good, you know, he's one of the better players in the league, but I do still wonder like, can a team win like long-term with him as the best player on the team? Yeah, no, I, I think that's totally fair. And I, I think like, I, I would definitely, if I only get one guy in my team, I'm probably going to take Jalen Brunson. Like, I think he's the better player. It depends on which team, just because they're very different players. Yeah. So I, I, I was going to say definitely, but I, I switched to probably just because it, like Jalen Brunson is going to have some limitations too, just with his size and defensively. Yeah. Like, like these these are not going to be best player in a championship team. Neither one of these guys. Uh, I'm sorry you had to no. find out this way, Joe. But Jalen's probably not the best player in a title team. It's fine. He'll be your second best player on your title Which is team. Fine. We'll yeah. And, yeah. And like that's probably probably what Lowry would be too. Uh, to me, it's interesting that Lowry's on this list. Two years, thirty five million, age twenty six. This is. 100 percent speculative by me i think larry Markin is a trade candidate yeah I, I think that for the jazz because i agree i don't think the jazz are very good they started something like 11 and 3 last year and they got all got our attention but then after that and i know they kind of tanked on purpose toward the end of the year but they finished like 22 and 40 or something like they were a very bad team after that they were effectively the bad team we all expected they just had a good first month and that reminds me a little bit of the year before West Southall Jr. took over at the Wizards. And remember, like, December 1st, the Wizards are the one seed in the East. And yeah. we're like, what is happening right now? What's happening is the roster is blown up and the team was never good. And none of the guys are even on that team anymore two years later. Yep. So, like, this is Danny Ainge. Danny knows. If I know that Larry Markkinen is a really good player on a really good contract, Danny knows, too. I promise you that. And I, I would, if I were him... I would be quietly checking what's out there because if you could take like Lowry was effectively a throw-in on what they already yeah. got with the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert deals. If you could take a thing that was somewhat of a throw-in and flip that for a third return like that, and and like they already own all of Cleveland's future and all of Minnesota's future. If you get a third team like that and own a third team's future on a, on a slightly more delayed timeline, so you get to kind of extend your picks out a little bit. I don't think Larry Markkinen at age 26, 27 on this deal. Now he's off that. Now he's unrestricted. So he could just leave and you might not want to stay in Utah if they're not any good. Or even if you do, maybe you give him the super max then because he's been all NBA again. And, and he's you're like, how it. do we, we are never going to get somebody else. Like yeah, how are we getting anyone else? And he's age 28 to 32 on the deal. Like, I don't think Lowry is on the next really good jazz team. I just don't think the timeline is right. So to me, I, I'm looking like at a jazz under this season on the speculative thing. Well, partly I just don't think it's 35 a great team. and a half. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's a wild number. But <laughs> what are we doing? I, but I, the, the jazz to me are a team like how, how many wins do the jazz get? If I told you, Joe, that before this podcast even drops, while you're on your honeymoon, Larry Marketing got traded. And we're going to assume he probably got traded for like expiring deals, aka players not helping right now on a bunch of draft picks yeah so take lowry off the team replace with mostly nothing how many wins are the jazz gonna have this year 20 right like like they're gonna like, contend for the number one pick after that right yeah. like they're a tank team like agbaji's so, not gonna get to foul 10 like get 10 fouls in a fucking <laughs> game so like yeah like it's yeah. gonna be a disaster right. you know guys yeah, so. it's probably probably a good time to like pick up like a keontae george rookie of the year long shot or something at that point like yeah. someone's gonna have to do stuff and like frankly I'll 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 fall on the sword here. 
I thought that's what Lowry was last year early on. I was like, oh, he's just these someone had to do stuff. No, like he checks out. The numbers are really good. He's very efficient. He's on this list for a reason. Like this yeah. is not a bad mouthing Lowry conversation, but Some I, I think he's going to get really lucky trading for him, yeah. I think, because he's going to fit yeah. in and you're going to be like, oh, like, like the, the contract's nothing. Like you could trade yeah. nothing for that. Right. Like, like imagine him on Denver. Put, imagine like, like Philadelphia, assuming yeah. they actually were, were happy and wanted to be together. Imagine Philly trading like Tobias Harris and a couple of picks for Lowry and something. Cause like the salary yeah. is like less than half of Tobias. But like imagine him fitting in as the third guy on that team or the third guy on the Clippers with Kawhi and PG and just like Lowry, just shooting open jumpers all game long and thriving in like the and thing cutting, Tobias yeah. was supposed to be as the like one-on-one all the time. He's doing that, but he's doing that as the star of the team with all the defense's attention too. So yeah. he, yeah, I, I don't think he, I don't think he makes it to the end of this deal on the jazz, but we'll see the top two though are like legit superstars. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like really good. Go, go ahead. Lead, lead us into the next group here. Yeah, so you have these blocked off, number two, number one. I think that we should start with, well, obviously we'll start with number two, but I think that this guy's value, both of these players are young, like even relative to this list, they're young. And um, one, I think, I would imagine that one of them, the guy who's topping the list, you're giving him a little bit more like space based on the fact that he just doesn't miss games, just doesn't miss ever, like literally ever. And I think that that, (laughs) and like that does matter. Um, And also I think that there's a lot more room for growth in the current role that he's at. Whereas for number two, we're kind of looking at a guy where it's like, this might be just what we get. But at the same time, like this is really good because he was just the DPOI. So Jaron Jackson yeah. Jr. is number two on the list. This contract's incredible. I almost didn't even realize it was this good. And it's just like, it, it makes, it's almost like it makes no sense. Like, it's like, how did Memphis get him to take this deal? Yeah, it's, it's one where it's like a rookie max extension, but they didn't give him the max. Like they got him to take a below max deal and he clearly is a max player and then some, but not only that, three years, $77 million. He'll make $27 million this year, which is already a bargain. I, I would have him worth yeah. at least $10 million more than that. He is still getting a little better. The defense took a big leap this year. Not I fouling think out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, staying on the court and staying on the court health-wise and fouls-wise is big. I think his offense is, is coming around too. Like we saw earlier in the career that he hit a bunch of threes and then he like sucked all of last season, could hit a shot. And it's starting to come back around and just be a little more rounded. Like even in the playoffs, we saw when Jaw was out that they could like run through the post a little bit with Jaron. Like, I don't think he's going to like turn in a shack suddenly, but we don't want that. In the modern NBA, you don't want Jaron Jackson like posting up all the time, but just like, can he every now and then, can he get you a bucket when like John Morant and Desmond Bain are out for the night or, or whatever. So I think he's showing you can do some of those things. Not only is he making 27 million this year, it's a declining deal. So that this is another one of those where he's going to make less and less each year forward. So three years from now, he's going to be 26 years old, basically in his prime only on $23 million on the deal. So yeah, it's, it's a huge steal. I have him worth it. And I, I am, I'm listing as a center. I notoriously underpay centers in my, in my contract evaluation, because I think it's a very like fungible position, even that way. I still have Jaron Jackson worth at least $50 million more, even though I'm like not giving centers all that much money compared to other positions. He might be worth even more than that. Like I have number one in his own tier. Like I I think number one has to be ahead of number two personally, but I I could see the case. Like uh, Jaron Jackson is is defensive player of the year. I think that he's going to be a very good candidate to repeat this year. I think the Grizzlies are the number one defense. They add Marcus Smart to the mix on top of John Moran won't be playing for a big chunk of games. Which which would have brought the defense down a little bit. Yeah, that's that's part of it. So I think if the Grizzlies can hang in that first 25 games without John Morant, it'll have to be because of the defense. And and Jaron Jackson is going to get the credit for that. Yeah, and the the scoring. Because we honestly, we saw him play like with – 
So it's like, I think you're right though, too. Like the addition of smart is great because I think it's one of those things like, right now you have back-to-back DPOIs, whether one was warranted or not is a different question, but you have these two guys on the same team. Steven Adams, no slouch either. So it's like, you got, you got like a squad there defensively (laughs) and Desmond Bain's pretty good too. So it's, it's very, it's going to be a fascinating season. Like that defense could be, I think like, they should probably be the best defense in the league, if not, you know, yeah. top what three. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't see, I don't see a clear path for a ton of other teams to be that good. Yeah, no, I fully agree, and I, I'm high on the Grizzlies. They're over under. The only reason I have not bet the over under, uh, the, the over forty five and a half yet, is because I have a feeling that number actually could drop a little bit. Like, yeah. I think that the the Grizzlies play is like a month into the season when people are like, I don't know, man. Grizzlies are starting a little slow. They really miss John Morant. And like, I, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll get more to the Grizzlies in our, our final Next episode. episode yeah. So we can leave that there, but I, it's a very good team. I will definitely be looking to me. Defensive player of the year is Jaren's to lose is, is the position I'll have going into the season. So yeah. he's number two last on the list. Probably if you're listening, you, you know, by now, but Mikhail Bridges, he is at three years, $70 million. So effectively the nope. same deal, seven million less than Jaron. He's age 26. To me, this is number one. Mikhail Bridges also was getting defensive player of the year. Like he was second last year, I, I believe, behind Marcus Smart. So yep. he's right there in the mix defensively at a possibly more at a more versatile defensive position, like for the playoffs, especially. I still prefer the big man usually, but the way the league is going, Mikhail is so useful on that end. And now in Brooklyn, we see this possible like hub offensive star. The way that he's playing, his efficiency either didn't go down or up in areas. His scoring is up. He is the favorite now for most improved player of the year. He to me is this year's Tyrese Halliburton, where yeah. Halliburton, I know we, we loved him. Halliburton was your dude last year for most yeah. improved. Doesn't play defense great though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, not quite the same here. So, but Mikhail, well, his, his defense dropped a little bit. He's not going to have as much help in Brooklyn. And we see that. Like when you have more of the offensive load, you can't do everything on defense too. So, Natural, I, it's yeah. not like he just forgot how to defend in there. Um, but I, I do wonder about, I'm curious, what do you think about Mikhail's most improved chances? Because we're going to have the, the positive and the negative we had with Halliburton where, okay, we already saw, like we effectively know how good Mikhail's going to be. We know the numbers he's going to put up. The problem is we already saw that. And I wonder if, if that's not going to get quite as much credit. We were like, ah, we, were, we already knew. Like Mikhail was already really good. How improved is he really? And I think, I think Halliburton ended up not really being a factor in most improved because of that that happened last yeah. year. So are, are we going to do the same trap with Mikhail this year? I Yeah, I do think that that's definitely a concern, right? Um, obviously, like putting up the numbers over a full season, it's literally like the same type of conversation. I do think, though, that had they're not because the candidates last year were basically it was basically marketed and Brunson, right? Like those were the two towards the end of the season that you were like looking at. And then Shea was but Shea was in like a different tier, too, because he was getting looked at as like, well, he's made the ascension to like superstar. Right. So like that was what his thing was like more closely to Ja. there. I don't see any of like the preseason candidates like what you're looking at and you're like, oh, like there's somebody that there like it doesn't feel the same way and lori like you can't predict the lori like there's no way to predict that right? right like even if you looked at the move where the jazz got him it's like you said he was considered a throwaway in the trade because they needed some filler in there like contract wise numbers wise like whatever you can't that's not something that you're predicting so like when we're looking at these odds i think that like it, it's definitely his, I think it would be his to lose because just because of what his offensive upside could be. And especially the fact that we're seeing now, it's like there's a lot of resistance on James Harden getting actually moved, which probably hurts Maxi as well. Cause Maxi kind of shot up the right, like his odds are now like 12 to one. So that's a far cry from the 60 to one that there was a lot of value on before yeah. the Harden news. So I do think that a lot of the names at the top of these odds, because it's like those two, Cade, Reeves, Sangoon, Mobley, Poole, Barnes, Giddy, Sharp, Paolo. Like, I'm not seeing any names where I'm like, oh, like, yeah, like I would put them 
a hundred percent in this conversation. Cause some of them yeah. I'm like, I already thought they were good. So I'm wondering right. what the, what the jump is for some of these guys, but we're bridges. It's like, he's going to put up the, he can score now. We we're seeing that yep. and he can run an offense. So I do think that I like, I I'd probably bet it. Um, I'd probably go light and just like maybe go lighter on this market than I have in other years. Yeah, I haven't really done much deep dive yet. Uh, I haven't even really done much shallow dive yet on most improved. So <laughs> no, not not I, this I, season. I think you painted the right picture. We'll, we'll get there, I'm sure, and talk more about it. But I, I think you got the right picture here. I, I do wonder with Mikhail if his case effectively might come down to how good Brooklyn is. And I yeah. think that with Indiana, we saw that kind of hurt Halliburton last year, where it was like, I think for Halliburton to really, really be in the mix, he needed the Jalen Brunson bump, which was we're the five seed Pacers now, yep. which and, they weren't. They were in the mix for a while. Then he was getting hurt. Then they fell off. And the roster wasn't good enough. And yeah. I, I worry that Mikhail and the Nets might be more Halliburton and the Pacers last year than Brunson in the mix last year. Like the I don't, only, I don't know if the cast is there for Mikhail. I, yeah, I agree with that. I would say the only thing that I think is benefits Mikhail is the fact that he literally doesn't miss. Like that's a thing. Like he doesn't skip. So like, you're not going <laughs> to have a team hold him out because I think that like, it's one of those oh, things that, like it matters to him. Like it matters to like him as like a player, as a person in the NBA, like that street. Cause he, he's, he's still yet to miss a game. Right. Have so you- it's Ever, ever. He's never missed a game. So, like, you're not going to have Brooklyn be like, we're going to tank, like, and then, and then, like, just not play him. Like, he, yeah. I think Brooklyn's in, like, a funky situation there because you have a guy who does take pride in going out there, putting on the uniform, getting on the court every day. And, you know, he's been fortunate with injuries and stuff like that that he, he's been able to do so. But I think that, like, he's, so, he's good enough because I think part of what happened with Halliburton, too, was – when he missed those big chunks, Indiana just fell out. Like the bottom fell out. So it's like with Mikel, like if he doesn't miss, will the bottom ever really fall out of Brooklyn or will they always maybe be top 10? And it's like, Oh, they're in the play and worth it. Like there's enough. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I I think that's a very good point. Uh, Just to put a cap on the contract side here. So Mikel is three years, 70 million. My evaluation has him at three years, 150 million. So that is a bonus $80 million of value that he's providing. Like effectively, Ben Simmons' contract. Yeah. Well, but, but let's make it a player who actually plays. That's effectively Chris Middleton. That's the deal that Middleton just signed three years, 93. It's pretty close there. Or that's number two, Jaron Jackson Jr., three years, 77 million. Because Mikhail is so cheap, you can just have Jaron on the team also. Like that's the value that you're adding here is you can have. You don't have a max player. You have Mikhail and Jaron instead. You get both of them rather than the max slot because they both are saving that much money to the deal. So that's the value. Mikhail, Lowry, not necessarily on teams are going to move the needle in a huge way. But I think that's where, you know, Memphis has guys like this. We talked with the Celtics, your, your Knicks. Some of these teams are benefiting because they're getting these huge bargain players. And that's, I think, the value of a list like this. Yeah. So I hope you guys like really enjoyed this podcast. This was a cool episode. I think talking about some of the guys that are really worthwhile and are getting, helping their teams based on the contract. So they're not necessarily through their own volition, but you know, just the way that the contracts have been structured, the way that they've overperformed and kind of earned way more than what their contracts worth. It's really provided a lot of value to the team to kind of improve some of those future positions. So I want you guys to stay tuned for the next episode that will be dropping next week. It's the conclusion of the money series with Brandon Anderson, and it is going to be a hope ratings. And it is basically going to be a little bit of like how these teams are set up to succeed over the next couple of seasons and it's a look at more than just this coming season and it's like well where is this team positioned can they succeed at least once or go you know kind of improve over the next couple of years so stay tuned for that thank you again brandon and we will see you on the next episode let's cash that